I am so pumped. Tonight is going to be a great night, not only because it is Chi Alpha night. Tuesday nights are amazing. Come on, amen. Hoot, hoot. But also, tonight is game four of the NBA Finals. Yeah, we're excited. Again, if you want to learn anything about me, I love the NBA quite a bit, but more than my love for the NBA, but less than my love for Jesus is my love for LeBron James, who plays the Los Angeles Lakers, who is in the NBA Finals tonight, right now. Got the notification, it started 20 minutes ago, but my phone is on Do Not Disturb, so I will not be watching the game while I preach. Hallelujah. I do hope, I hope the Lakers can win tonight and go up 3-1. Sunday was embarrassing. And for those, John, zip it. Anyways, enough of that. I am so glad you guys are here tonight. If this is your first time, my name is Derek Quimby, and I'm our director here at Chi Alpha. We are so thankful that you decided to join us tonight. Don't forget, get that free t-shirt after service. If we don't have your size, you can get a different shirt, or we can wait, and we're going to order more shirts. Amen. I learned today that someone got a Chi Alpha shirt at Goodwill, so that was pretty cool. Slightly sad, because that means someone gave it to Goodwill, but amen. Come on. Also, I'd love to meet you. Please come introduce yourself after service. Like everyone else, I'm pretty pumped for fall retreat. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is going to be such an incredible weekend. We have all this excitement. We see all this flair. For those of you that might be a little more reserved, like, I don't actually want that. I promise it's not all yelling. There's some yelling, but not a whole lot. But I promise you, seriously, if you get signed up, you will not regret coming to fall retreat. It will change your life. Take that to the bank. And I've got some good news for you, friends. I know some of you are like, okay, fall retreat, that doesn't start for another few weeks, so I've got a few weeks to sign up. That is true. However, if you sign up before Thursday at midnight, Thursday at midnight, if you sign up before then, you will be entered into a drawing to win a $50 gift card to anywhere that you want. Ooh. I, see, I know sometimes these drawings are like, they're like poopy gift cards. Like, I don't need $50 to village in. One time and I'm good. Okay, 10 bucks. So I decided we're not going to pick where your gift card is, so you get a pick. So that's not an excuse. It could be anywhere you want in the continental United States. All right? Think about that. If you win this gift card, you're getting paid to get your life completely changed by Jesus and to have so much fun. Come on. So, again, sign up before Thursday at midnight. Not 12.01. Not 12.02. 11.59, okay? There we go. You guys are all looking so pumped for that gift card. <laughs> Come on. All right, so if you were here last week, I gave a shout-out to my good friend Jacob Enos. Where's he at? Where's Jacob at? I can't see him. Over here. Will you stand up, please? He's underneath the balcony for you people. I'm sorry. Let's all give Jacob a round of applause. He's going to have a fun night tonight. So I gave Jacob a shout-out last week because he's a Miami Heat fan there who playing the Lakers in the NBA Finals, and Jacob's about to get another shout-out tonight. On January 16th, 2018, Jacob came to his first ever Chi Alpha service. He had just transferred to UNI from DMAC, and when he came to school, he gets to his room, and his roommate had put a Chi Alpha card on his stuff. His roommate invited him to Chi Alpha, but if Jacob was honest, he had no interest in coming to Chi Alpha when his roommate invited him. But Jacob's a kind guy, so he's like, maybe, we'll see, maybe I'll come. All right, it's Tuesday the 16th, and I think Jacob gets his wise idea. He thinks he's so smart. He's like, you know what I'm about to do? I'm going to go to the dining center right before Kyle starts. 
so that I don't have to see my roommate. I'll be out of the picture. He won't be able to find me in the room. I'll be hiding in the back of the piazza, like right next to the mac and cheese bar. They probably don't have that anymore. Anyways, so he's hiding. And as Jacob's walking to the dining center, oh, so unluckily for Jacob, his roommate was running a little late to Chi Alpha. And he walks out as soon as Jacob's trying to walk in. And Jacob's roommate, Sam's like, what's up, Jacob? You coming to Chi Alpha tonight? And Jacob was caught, and he was coming. So Jacob's roommate, Sam, brought him to Chi Alpha. And Jacob, or Jacob came. And after the service, I would say he was intrigued, but he was not sold. Many, that's like some of you who were here last week for the first time. You're intrigued, but you're not sold yet. That's all right. We got time. So Jacob, after service, an overeager small group leader goes up to him. He gets his number and basically asks him to go on a date with him. Little did Jacob know, he, just, he thought he was getting free coffee or lunch, but this small group leader wanted to share their feelings together and talk about love and the Lord himself is going to be a good time. So Jacob ignores this small group leader all week until Friday came. And eventually, Jacob gives in to this small group leader and says, fine, I'll let you buy me lunch. If Friday morning comes, this small group leader wakes up excited for this new Hangout, I get to hang out with my friend. This is going to be a good time. I'm going to make new friends. He gets up and he gets ready to, to send a text. And this is the text he sends. Okay, go to the next picture so we can blow it up a little bit in case you can't wonder. That says Matthew 19.9, you better not lieb. Lieb was not a typo. See, and also, before we continue, let's read Matthew 19, 9 together. Let's get into the word of the Lord. It says this, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. I was that idiot small group leader. And my first text to this would-be small group member was Matthew 19, 9, do not leave that text was not meant to go to Jacob Enos' cell phone on that Friday morning. That text was meant to go to my wife. <laughs> I was trying to be sweet. I, was, I read the Bible. You can't leave me. So I'm like, don't leave her. <clears throat> I can't believe I said leave. Of course, I'd used baby, flirty, weird talk with this would-be small group leader. I was, or some small group member. I was so horrified, but luckily for me, he still went to lunch. Before we go on, though, here's two tips. These are the most important things you're going to get. Ready for it? Number one, don't talk like a baby to your significant other. Okay, it's weird. It makes everyone feel uncomfortable. I did it, and I'm repenting. I'm turning back right now. I had screwed up. Do not do baby talk with your significant other. It makes everyone around you feel weird. It makes them feel a little weird. They're like, am I 12 or are we 20? I don't know what's going on. So don't say Liba. Use your V's. You don't need to use B's. Second tip. Do not accidentally text a person you just met, including said baby talk. So if you do decide to forego tip number one and use the baby talk, don't text it to someone you just met. It's a path you don't want to go down, my friends. All right, so Jacob and I go to Firehouse Subs, and he proceeds, this conversation, it's a great day for me. He proceeds to tell me, but how Christians suck, and how he does not like the church, and he's kind of ticked off at the church. We're like, oh, this is an awesome day. Thank you, God, for this. Jacob then goes on to tell me his story, and we bond over sports. We spend a few hours just getting to know each other. And when I left that lunch, I vividly remember driving home in my car and thinking, I want to pour my life into Jacob. I want to give everything that I have for Jacob Enos. At the time, I thought his last name was Enos. He didn't tell me for two years his last name was Enos. I get it. 
<laughs> All right, so Jacob eventually gets involved in a small group, and then eventually goes on to become a small group leader. Jacob and I have been on what we call around here discipleship journey ever since. What is discipleship? Oh, this is my favorite thing in the world. Discipleship is very simply helping someone who's a little behind you in their journey with Jesus grow as a follower of Christ. So where does this word discipleship come from? It comes from the 12 disciples. Who are the 12 disciples? Those were Jesus' 12 closest friends. He spent the majority of his time with them, helping them look more like him. He helped them grow. He helped them change their behaviors to start acting in a more godly way. Jesus spent all of his time with these 12 people, teaching them what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. So discipleship is doing the same. We are to do our best to grow closer to God, to grow closer to Jesus, and to help the people around us do the same. There's this guy named Paul. I talk about him a lot. He wrote most of the New Testament. He's the greatest missionary to ever live. And he had some disciples of his own, people that he helped look like Jesus as he looked like Jesus. And he wrote a letter to them. And this is in, the, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. It says this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So what is discipleship? Discipleship is imitating Jesus and having people a little farther behind us imitate us as we imitate Jesus. Basically, our goal in discipleship is to make little Jesuses. And that's what I did with Jacob. I've tried my best to look like Jesus and failed miserably, but tried my best and also challenged Jacob to do the same. We are all looking for our calling. You've come to college, and a lot of things about college is about finding your calling. Maybe you feel like you're supposed to be a teacher, so you came to UNI because it's a good teaching program and you wanted to pursue that dream. Maybe your dream is to be a businessman or a businesswoman. Maybe it's to be a musician, a pastor, a computer scientist, a husband or a wife. So we have these callings, but I think there are two callings in every person's life. I actually talked about this a few weeks ago, but I'll remind us because some of us may have forgot. See, we have our specific calling. This is like the call to be a teacher. Or maybe that calling is a little bit more specific for you. Maybe you don't just feel called to be a teacher. Maybe you feel called to be an English teacher to underprivileged kids in an urban setting. You have a specific calling over your life. Maybe you feel a specific call to be a social worker in order to help single moms who come from a poor background. Maybe you feel called to create the vaccine to COVID-19. If that is you, please hurry up. <laughs> or maybe you're sitting here and you feel called to marry that guy or girl that's about four rows in front of you. You haven't met them yet, but you think Jesus has told you himself that she's cute, he's handsome, and I'm supposed to marry them. That's my call. My challenge to you is to introduce yourself first and see what happens. But anyways, we all have our own specific destiny and calling. So that's over here. But we also have a general calling that's general and goes to everyone. All right, maybe thinking about your future pumps you up because you love it. You're like, yeah, I'm going to change the world. My destiny is incredible. This is great. So you're excited for tonight. Or maybe you're someone who comes in here and you don't think about your future at all. And if you're honest with yourself, thinking about your future scares the living daylights out of you because maybe you have no idea what's going to happen. Maybe you came here and you're an undecided major. You don't know what you want to do. Or you picked a major and you're seven weeks in and you hate it. God wants to speak to you, even though it might be a little bit more challenging tonight. God wants to speak some clarity into your life, no matter if you love talking about your future or if it drives you nuts. God wants to give you clarity onto what your life can look like. Freshman, God wants to show you what the next four years of your life can look like. He wants to give you a glimpse into what your time in college can be. Sophomores, juniors, God wants to challenge you 
You're in the prime of your college time. This is the best time. He wants to use you beyond your wildest dreams. He wants to change the campus through you. He wants to light a spark inside of you that will burn throughout the whole campus. Seniors, God has something for you as well. I think in Chi Alpha world, it's easy for us just to focus on the campus, focus on what's going on in college students' lives. However, our callings, that principle is not specific to college students. God has plans for you after you graduate. He doesn't want the prime time of your walk with him to be while you're in Chi Alpha and in college. He wants this to be the start of an incredible journey of discovering what your calling it is and living it out. Tonight we're kicking off our third sermon, sermon series of the year and our Ready for More theme. We've been in this theme of Ready for More. We're ready for God to do more and God to do more through us and in us. And tonight we're starting our third series entitled More Calling. So tonight we're just going to do a general overview of our calling. We're going to talk about the three aspects of our calling. I think there's three aspects of it. And next week, Pastor Casey is going to talk about the first aspect, and she's about to kill it. So let's get excited. Come on. I'll say it now. Pastor Casey is about to be the first woman ever to preach at Chi Alpha UNI. Come on, somebody. We're changing the campus. Oh, it gets me pumped. All right. And then after that, this guy named Pastor Daniel from Scent Church. He's kind of goofy looking. He looks like me. He'll be preaching as well, so that'll be fun, I guess. So you better be ready. But tonight, we're going to read the commandment. We're going to read the commandment that Jesus gave his followers right before he left earth. See, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was God, and he came and lived the perfect human life. He came and did what we do as in living a life, but he did it so perfectly and so loving that his reward was to be put on a cross. What do I mean by that? He was killed because you and I make a lot of mistakes. I don't know about you, but I sure make a lot of mistakes. And because of our mistakes, we deserve to die. We deserve death. But Jesus said, that won't do. And he said, I'm going to pay the penalty for them. So he died for us so we don't have to. Not only did Jesus come and live a perfect life and then die on a cross for us, though, three days after dying, Jesus came back to life. Jesus rose from the grave and he conquered death. All right, that's pretty cool. That's good news, people. That's exciting. I say it a lot, but it is some good news that Jesus died for your sins and for my sins because I don't know about you, but I got a lot of them. So thank and praise Jesus. However, after this, after Jesus rose from the grave, he spent 40 days with his disciples. He spent 40 days with his followers. So these 40 days goes, he teaches them some more stuff, and then he gets ready to depart earth. He gets ready to leave, to go be with God in heaven. And right before he leaves, he gives one final commandment. It's what we call the Great Commission. And he gives this to his followers. This commandment is in Matthew 28, or 18 through 20. And it says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to command all that, or teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you're here and you're in this place tonight, Father. I thank you for your commandment to us. I thank you that we get to discover our calling in you. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen. All right. Here's the main idea. I make the same joke every week. If you're going to write one thing down, write this down. If you're going to fall asleep, blah, 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 blah. Here's your one point. Ready for it? We are called to make disciples. This is it. We are called to make disciples. That's the main thing. We are called to do what? Make disciples, hallelujah. 
All right, Jesus is getting ready to depart from his followers. This is his closing argument. This is his summary statement. This is his last chance to speak some wisdom to the people that are going to go on and start the church. The beginning of the church, and he's got one last thing to say to them, and he chooses to leave them with this, go make disciples. He could have said, go and stop sinning. He could have said, go and give away a ton of money. He could have said, go and pray a lot. He could have said, read your Bibles a ton. He could have said, don't spend so much time on TikTok when that gets invented. That is a bad habit you're going to get in. But instead, he chose to say this, go and make disciples. This is our universal calling. This is our calling that is not specific to one person, but applies to everyone. None of you, none of us are exempt from this calling. It is evidence that this is extremely important to Jesus. Not only were Jesus' parting words to go and make disciples, it's also what he spent the majority of his time doing while he lived on earth. If you look at the stories of Jesus in the Bible, it is clear that he did not spend the, major- or he did not spend the majority of his time with crowds of people. He did not spend the majority of time doing what I'm doing right now. This wasn't what he did. What did he do? He spent the majority of his time with his 12 closest friends, challenging them to grow and helping them to understand their shortcomings, pushing them to go and tell the world that their Savior has come and his name is Jesus. Jesus was not interested in drawing a huge audience of people to come and watch him speak. Instead, his mission was to create an army of people that he could send into the world to make disciples of all nations. Jesus knew that on his own, he could not meet every person in the world. Jesus knew that the best way for him to reach the world was to give his life to a few people who would give their lives to a few people who would give their lives to a few people. He knew that an audience had little power, but an army could change the world. If you've been in Chi Alpha for a few weeks now, hopefully God has started to change some things in you. We've learned that Jesus loves us a ton. That Jesus wants to spend time with you every single day. He doesn't just want you on Tuesday nights. He wants you every day of the week. We've learned that Jesus wants to do so much inside of your heart. He wants to break chains off your life. He wants to give you freedom over your addictions. He wants to show you how loved you are. He wants to help you be more like him. He wants us to have what we call around Chi Alpha real devotion. Real devotion. Remember that term, please. Real devotion is where we grow closer to God by reading our Bibles, praying, and becoming intimate with Jesus. So God wants us to have real devotion. But we've also learned that to best grow close to Jesus, we need a family. We need what we call around here real community. We need to be in small groups making lifelong friends that are anything but surface level. God has not called us to have surface level relationships. No, God has called us to have deep, rooted, meaningful relationships. And in that, we can see growth and life change. But not only are we called to have real devotion, not only are we called to have real community, but there's a third pillar of Chi Alpha. And I know you guys have been dying to hear what it is. God has called us to have what we call real responsibility. What is real responsibility? Real responsibility is the responsibility to go and make disciples. Again, discipleship is just helping our friends look more like Jesus. This is our greatest call, our great commission. We are to make disciples. Jesus wants to do things not only inside of you, but through you. Jesus wants to do actually more through you than he could ever do in you. It's not just about what comes in, it's about what comes out, and what comes out is discipleship. Jesus wants to use you to accomplish his goal. What is his goal? His goal is global domination for the kingdom of God. He wants the world to feel the love that I hope you feel from Jesus. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, though. You're like, okay. You're telling me that Jesus wants to use me. How am I supposed to be used by God? I just started following him like three weeks ago. I've got a lot of sin in my life. Derek, you don't understand. I make mistakes every day. 
You might be thinking, I've only been to small group once. And if I'm honest, I felt pretty uncomfy the whole time. I didn't want to share my deep, dark secrets that made me feel weird. I'm just getting started on this journey of following Jesus, and you, want, and you think he wants to use me? There's no probationary period to being used by God. Here are the requirements for being used by God. It's meaningful. It's deep. Ready? Number one, be saved. Number two, want to be used. Number one, be saved. Number two, want to be used. That's it. What do I mean when I say be saved? I mean give your life to Jesus. That means believing that Jesus died for your sins and you saying, okay, Jesus, be my Lord, be my king. If you've said in your heart that I, you want to follow Jesus and you trust him, then you are saved. You're in the kingdom of God. You've accomplished step one. Congratulations. Step two, want to be used. Jesus will use anyone that wants to be used. There's no prerequisite. There's no skill to come in. There's no other special requirement. All you need to do is follow Jesus and want to be used by him. Submit to him and see what happens. Jesus first wants to save you. That's number one. He wants to save you, but then immediately he wants to send you. Jesus wants to save you and then immediately send you. It is never too soon to be sent out on mission for Jesus, to be sent on a mission to make disciples. You do not need to be a small group leader, a Chi Alpha intern, or a pastor. You just need a heart that wants to serve King Jesus. The Bible doesn't say go, therefore, and clean up your life. The Bible does not say go, therefore, and get all the right answers. Read all the Bible you can. He doesn't say, go, therefore, do these steps, X, Y, and Z. No, it says, go, therefore, and make disciples. There's no hesitation. There's no prerequisite. There's no probationary period. Go make disciples. I've talked about Paul a few times. So what happened to Paul? Paul was like the number one Christian killer on the planet. He hated him, and then Jesus meets him, and he gets saved. He gives his life to Jesus. You know what he did after that? He went and preached. He went and preached the gospel to people who didn't know Jesus. He didn't wait. He didn't spend 30 years learning. He went and preached the gospel. After you have a heart to be used by God, he will send you to make disciples. Some of you are probably sitting there thinking, though, well, what does that look like? Okay, I'm called to make disciples. How do I do that? Again, I said there are three aspects to discipleship, three parts of our call to make disciples. Over the next three weeks, we are going to dive into these parts, but I just want to give you a general overview tonight before we dive into the nitty-gritty over the next couple weeks. Get excited. We are called to find, feed, and fight for our friends who don't know Jesus. That's discipleship. Finding, feeding, and fighting for the lost students on campus. Finding, feeding, and fighting for your friends that do not know him. Finding, feeding, and fighting for our generation that seems to be hopeless amid COVID-19, political tension, and so much hatred. We will be a group that finds, feeds, and fights for our friends. But what does that look like? Finding people is very simply bringing our friends to Jesus. We are called by God to tell our friends about Jesus. We talked about this last week. To tell our friends about Jesus, we need some friends. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you're going to see people outside the union, maybe not in COVID, I don't know. I don't get to go on campus much anymore. But you'll see people outside the union, they'll start preaching. They're like, y'all stink. And they're preaching, and if I'm being honest with you, I don't usually see a lot of results from that. I, on the other hand, think the most effective way of getting people to know Jesus is through having a relationship with them. We have to have relationships with people before we expect them to listen to us about this guy named Jesus. Last week, we talked about that we, the fact that we need to go and meet people in our classes, in our dorms, in our workplaces. And as we make friends with people and build relationships with people outside of Chi Alpha, we can find them by inviting them to Chi Alpha, inviting them to church, small group, or just simply telling them that there is a God that loves them so much. 
That's how we find people. We are called by him to spread his love. Again, what God has done in you, he wants to do through you. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard about this guy named Peter. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, but not only was he one of the 12, he was number one. He was the big dog. He started the church. You want to know how Peter came to know Jesus? He had a brother named Andrew. His humble brother, Andrew, found Peter and brought him to Jesus. Without Andrew, there is no Peter. Peter would go on to preach messages that would lead to thousands of people giving their lives to Jesus. Peter would go on to change the world and be in history books. But without Andrew, there's no Peter. My middle name is Andrew. And although my parents did not follow Jesus when they had me, I do think there's a spiritual significance to this. Maybe I'm not called to be Peter. Maybe I'm not called to be the famous one in the history books who brings thousands of people to Jesus. Maybe I'm called to find one person who's going to go find a thousand people. Let's find people because there are friends on this campus that could do way more than we could ever imagine for the kingdom of God. They're just waiting for humble Andrew to come and find their Peter. Let's go back to Jacob Enos. Jacob was found by his roommate putting a Kyle card on his stuff and inviting him to service. He was found by this roommate reminding him and bringing him with him. I found Jacob simply by going up to him and introducing myself and inviting Jacob to a friendship with me. But in order to start this long journey of discipleship, I had to find him through meeting him and starting a friendship. So what are we to do? Go find people. Make friends. Invite them to service. Tell them about Jesus. Build relationships with people. Go outside of your comfort zone. Do not be a closet Christian, but instead let's acknowledge God before other people. Let's be a people who live on mission, who lives like a missionary to our classes and our dorms. All right. I want you guys to imagine something. I want you to imagine... You invite some friends over to your house at around 5 p.m. Okay, you play a bunch of games, activities. You guys watch a movie. You just have the greatest time ever. You actually spend about four hours together. It's 9 o'clock p.m., and you've had a great night. But I promise you, your guest is starving. You invited them to come over at 5, so they expected to be fed dinner. But since you didn't feed them anything, they're so hungry. It is not enough to find people. We must also feed people. When it comes to the kingdom of God, what does feeding look like? It looks like teaching people how to live like Jesus. We will dive more into the details, but in essence, we feed people by reading the Bible and helping each other do what it says. We teach Jesus every time. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, how am I supposed to feed other people? Again, I just got here. I have no clue what's going on. I just started reading my Bible, or if I'm honest, I plan to start tomorrow. It hasn't happened yet. Guess what? Maybe you're in a season that you need to be fed, and that's okay. It's okay to, want, to need to be fed. My encouragement for you is to let your leaders feed you. I have some nieces and nephews, like a hundred of them. They get confusing sometimes. But anyways, I see their parents try to feed them, and sometimes they push it away. They push it away. Don't be a baby pushing food away. Instead, let the leaders in your life challenge you. Let them push you. Let them feed you Jesus and see what happens. Another challenge I have for you, though, is while, yes, you might be in a season where you need to be fed more than you feed other people, you do have something to offer. Maybe last week was your first week here, and you just started following Jesus literally seven days ago. There are people who don't follow him yet, or maybe they're going to start following him tonight. So you're seven days ahead of them. Tell them what you learned in the last week. If it wasn't much, it's okay. It's something. Even if you're new to following him, you have some wisdom to offer people. Humbly offer it. So how did I feed Jacob? We spent a lot of time together, usually drinking coffee, We'd look at scripture together, 
We'd pray together. He would confess ways that he's messed up the past couple weeks. I would challenge him on how to overcome his sin and grow closer to God. Jacob was so teachable. He wanted to grow so badly. We would just spend our lives together, and I got to help Jacob look a little bit more, little bit more like Jesus every week. There are two encouragements for you tonight. Be like Jacob Enos. Seek out mentorship. Go to your small group leader and ask them, how can I grow? If you don't go to a small group yet, go to a small group. Read the Bible together. Let them challenge you. Confess where you've messed up and let them feed you. Let people into your lives to feed you. But also, while you're being fed, you need to feed other people. Pour the little bit of wisdom you have out. Don't let your cup overflow. What do I mean by that? Imagine a cup. When you get fed, when your small group leader talks to you about Jesus, when you read your Bible, they pour your cup up. They pour water in your cup. Eventually, your cup's going to overflow. What does that mean? You probably need to pour it out to someone else. We don't ever want to get too full. We want to be pouring out, pouring in, pouring out. Even if you're not a small group leader, you can feed other people. If you read something in the Bible, tell someone about it. Maybe they'll learn from it. People in a small group can also feed each other. Maybe you're on the same wavelength. Maybe you guys just both started coming to follow Jesus a few weeks ago. Feed each other. What does that look like? When you go to small group, participate in the discussion. Answer the questions. Maybe you think, no, my answers are stupid. Maybe that stupid answer is the answer that someone needs to hear because that's what they're waiting for. And maybe the one word you're going to say that you might think has no meaning will be the key to seeing their lives change forever. So feed your friends in small group by participating in the discussion. Plus, it makes for less awkward silences, which is always good. It's not good enough to find and feed people, though. There's a third calling in our lives in regard to discipleship. We are called to fight for people. There are times when people try to run from you, or maybe they try to run from Jesus. That's when we're called to fight for them. We are called to do whatever we can to make sure that our friends know that Jesus loves them and that you love them. We cannot give up on people. Everyone has the potential to become a Jesus follower. Everyone has the potential to become a Jesus follower. No one is too far gone. Fighting for someone means being willing to hold them accountable and challenge them. We must love people enough to speak truth into their lives. We cannot let our friends continually run away from God and never say anything because we're too scared. We don't want to offend them or hurt their feelings. That is not true love. True love is laying down your life for other people and being willing to give them the truth in love. Fighting for people means that you pray for them like crazy. Instead of complaining about the people around you who are messed up, pray for them. We must have our hearts broken for people who do not know him yet. We must have our hearts broken for people that don't know God. If you want to see a situation changed, a friend changed, a family member changed, you must pray for them. Prayer moves things in this world. So let's be people that praise like crazy for the messed up situations around us. But let's not only fight for people, let's fight for our world. Our world's a little messed up right now in case you've been off social media. It's a little messed up. How are we going to see that change? Not by a political post, not by your next Instagram post, not by arguing with someone. We'll see our situation change by fighting for our world through prayer. By coming to God and being on our knees and contending, saying, God, change the situation. Put the ball in God's court and see what happens. We must be willing to do whatever it takes to see our friends look like Jesus. This means sticking with them when they're struggling, speaking truth into their lives, and also praying for them. We must turn our concerns for people into petitions for their souls. On Jacob and I's discipleship journey, there have been some times when I've had to fight for them. Just a couple. I remember one particular time. We were going to meet at Starbucks. And Jacob had just sent the angriest text in the world to this group chat we were both in. He was so mad. And I saw Jacob get out of his car, 
slammed the door and he looked at me and he had this look in his eyes and said, I'm not going to listen to you no matter what you say. I could tell what was in his head is I'm freaking ticked and nothing you're going to say is going to change that. I'm angry and on a mission to let everyone know I'm angry. We get inside, we sit down, and I just ask him what happened. Why are you giving me the evil eyes? I don't bring the hammer of truth, but instead I love him and ask him what's going on. And that rough exterior starts to break. As I love on Jacob, he softens up and starts to get emotional as we figure out what's going on inside of his heart. And because of love, the truth that I delivered him about not sending angry texts to group chats had some backing. If I just would have came in and yelled at him, that probably wouldn't have worked for him. There have been times in my relationship with Jacob where he was headed down a path that was not necessarily God's best. And I had to challenge him and I had to fight for him. It has not always been fun. But I promise you that it was worth it. Getting to watch Jacob Enos turn into the man of God that he is today has been one of the greatest honors of my entire life. If all I have ever accomplished in my life, if I get to my deathbed and all I ever accomplished was helping Jacob Enos look a little bit more like Jesus and making a disciple of Jacob Enos, my life would be worth it because he's going to change the entire planet. And God is calling you to do the same. I promise you it's worth it. I've given my life to making disciples and it's the greatest call I've ever seen. What does this mean for you? It means fight for people. Let people fight for you. Know that when someone challenges you in love, they do it because they love you so much, because they care about your destiny. Fight for people who do not know Jesus. Pray for them. Do not give up on people. They are not too far gone. Tell them how loved they are. Do not let them run, run from the Lord and community, but fight for people's souls because their eternity depends on them. So why should you make disciples? Why should you accept this call of Matthew 28, 19? You should accept this call because of the real Jesus. The real Jesus comes and sets you free. The real Jesus can break off the chains in your life that seem to be holding you down. The real Jesus chose to love you unlike you've ever been loved before. The real Jesus does not make you earn his love, but instead all he asks of you is to please trust me, my son or my daughter, and I will make you a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. The real Jesus comes to the earth to save the world. The real Jesus does not care how messed up you are, but the real Jesus wants to use you right where you're at. The real Jesus does not make you clean up your act. The real Jesus says, let's do this together. Only by falling in love with the real Jesus will we take the call to make disciples. The real Jesus not only wants to love you, not only does he want to save you, not only does he want to be your father in heaven, the real Jesus wants to send you on mission. To follow Jesus is not just enjoying his love and letting it stay with you. No, we must take what God is doing in us and let him work through us. We must let him not only save us, but also send us. We must be a sent people. Following Jesus is a high call. It is not always fun, but the call to discipleship is the greatest call on the face of the planet. Even though the call is high, the reward is higher. When you find, feed, and fight for people and get to see them start running after the Lord, that is the greatest reward on the planet. For some of you, this seems pretty foreign because if you're honest, you don't follow Jesus yet at all. So how are you going to make disciples? You've been trying to do life on your own, and if you're honest with yourself, maybe it's not working. Before you can accept the call to make disciples, you must accept the real Jesus' call to be his disciple. 
Like I said at the beginning, Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for yours. He wants to be with you because God loves you so stinking much. He wants to break the chains off of your life. He wants to give you purpose and meaning. He wants to be your calling. He wants to call you higher. Please accept the call to be his disciple. Remember the two requirements of being a disciple maker? Step one is to be saved. And you can do that right here, right now. Again, on our own, we are headed towards destruction. We are too messed up. But God intersected our path and said, I'm going to change that. And all you have to do, my friend, is accept his intersection. Let a leader into your life so they can feed you. Let Jesus find you. And then let the leader and Jesus fight for you. Jesus has already won the fight for your life. He won. Now declare him victor and give him his prize. His prize is your heart. For those of you, you do call Jesus Lord. God is your king. You are called to make disciples if you follow Jesus. You are called to, while being discipled by a leader or a mentor or a pastor, you are also called to be looking for someone that you can disciple. As Matthew 28, 19 says, go therefore and make disciples. Find people that don't know Jesus yet and start a relationship with them. That's step one. Feed people by participating in small group, by reading your Bible so you have something to share with other people and so you can have an intimate relationship with Jesus on your own so then you can pour out to other people. And then tell other people about what God is doing in your life. Fight for people by speaking the truth in love and chasing after the people that seem to have no hope, that seem to have no future, that seem to have a destiny for hell. Fight for them. We have the greatest calling of a lifetime. We are called to be a disciple of Christ and then to make disciples for Christ. We have the opportunity to find, feed, and fight for people on campus. We must rise up to this call over our lives. We must reach our potential. If you all stand with me, please. This campus is not going to be changed by a better sermon or what I'm doing right now. This campus will not be changed by some great worship music. This campus will be changed by you students making the decision to say, no longer will I be an audience member, but instead I'm going to be an army member. I'm going to join the army of God and fight for his kingdom. I'm not going to sit in a chair and, and receive, receive, receive. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to be saved and then I'm going to be sent. We must not be an audience. We must create an army for the kingdom of God if we want to see this campus changed. And you are called to be a general in that army. You're not called to just be an infantry member. You are called to be a general in the army of God. And it's the greatest calling in the history of the world. I think this thought comes to people's brains. God wants to use pastors to change people. God does not just want to use pastors to bring, G bring Jesus to you and I. He wants to use you. You're much better at reaching your classmates than I am. I'm not in your classes. God wants to activate you and help you do what you're called to do. We must accept our call. We are called to make disciples. Now let's do it. I'm going to ask two questions tonight. So if you guys will all bow your heads and close your eyes. The first question is for those of you who are being honest, you don't follow Jesus yet. God is not the Lord of your life and you want to change that tonight. That before accepting the call to making disciples, you want to accept the call tonight to be a disciple. You want to accept the payment that God has paid for your penalties. If that is you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. 
just signifying to God that you are all in that nothing is holding you back so I'm going to count to three and if you want to accept the call to being a disciple of God please raise your hand no one's looking around one two three see those hands thank you thank you perfect you can put your hands down I'm going to pray for you Jesus I thank you for the new members in your family God I thank you for the new disciples in your kingdom Father I pray that you light them on fire for you so the world can watch them burn we love you so much Jesus amen the second call the second question is are you going to accept the call to discipleship are you willing to say I will no longer be an audience member but I will be a member in your army father are you willing to say that I want to find feed and fight for the lost lambs of God on campus if that is you if you want to accept that call what I want you to do is I want you to raise both hands and I want you right now just raise your hands up and say I accept this call say I'm accepting this call I'm going all in I'm going to make disciples I'm going to pray over us. Jesus, I pray that this is never an audience ever again. Father, I pray that this is the greatest army your kingdom has ever seen, Father. I pray that you move mountains in students' lives, that it's not about us, it's not about Chi Alpha, it's not about our small groups or this large group. Instead, it's about your kingdom and about disciples being made and students seeing their lives restored to you, Father. Jesus, I pray that you turn this audience into the greatest army we've ever seen. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen.